All right, guys, welcome back to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am young Ari Gold, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. John, not only do we have football this last week, we had winning football this last week. Um, not something that if you asked everybody, if you just took a poll of 100 people, it seemed that there was no chance that they would win this game. And not only did they win this game, they put a full-on beatdown on the Jacksonville Glitter Kitties. Dude, I was told we were going to go 0-17. That's what I was told. That's what I was told. I, I mean, was if, told- you watch the pre- if you watch the pregame shows, I believe there was like one person that picked the Texans to win. Yeah, I think it was like one. Yeah, out of the experts. Yeah, it was absolutely it's ridiculous. It's word to like name somebody an expert. <laughs> like most of them, it's have all never played it's all football. experts with quotes. <laughs> so um, what was his face? Bill Yates uh, from ESPN. He was all about he was all about the Texans. He was like, yeah, they're gonna easily easily beat Jacksonville. Um, and there was another guy on CBS. There was one person on CBS. Who was it on CBS? I'm, I'm trying to remember, but there was only one of their morning people, morning show people on CBS that said we were going to win. Like, so from the two shows that I watched bits and pieces of, two people total said we were going to win. Yeah. Did they forget who Urban Meyer is? Oh, hold on. I got to go put my son to bed. Uh, so keep talking for about three minutes. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those where I think, I think we're already going to send Urban Meyer back to college. Like that's, that's the uh, rumor on Twitter that his heart's just not in it. This is a guy that's quit on teams before. This is a guy that's had to step away from both Florida and Ohio State that are these high-pressure jobs because it just got to him. What did he think the NFL was going to be like? like? Did he really think that walking into the NFL was going to be this nice, easy thing to do? I mean, dude, it. I'm just, I'm still just blown away about the lack of respect granted we're not we're not going to be the best team in the world and we're not going to be the best team but you know we are better than the jaguars we are easily better than the jaguars um let's see if tyrod leads us to the playoffs and makes the pro bowl do the texans offer him a three or four year deal definitely tyrod like i've said before tyrod taylor he Easily is the best backup in in the entire league, and that was always a mental thing. If he's going to continue to push the ball down the field, even if it's every now and then, then Tyrod, I mean, he's the starting quarterback in the NFL. His thing is he would would fall in love with the check down, and he would get afraid to throw the ball. Um, I think prior prior to yesterday's game, or Sunday's game, he's only gone over 20 passes once. So now he's twice. If he's able to keep that volume, if he's able to run, continue to be the, to run as a threat and in smart moments, and continue to look down the field, then yeah, Tyrod's Tyrod's fine. Like, I'm not going to say that he's. I'm not going to say he's going to be an MVP candidate or anything like that, but there have been years where we would have been very happy to have Tyrod with defenses that we have previously had with this with this team. But 
Oh, welcome back, James. I was just answering the, uh, will, do you think Tyrod, if he makes a Pro Bowl, do the Texans offer him a three or four year deal? Definitely. I, I think it's definite. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know about definite. I think anything can happen. I think it's pretty, it's a, it's a week to week league. Anything can happen. I think the plan is, you know, you, you address that in the off season. I don't think you go in with a plan on what your quarterback, uh, what quarterbacks are on your depth chart yet. You have no idea. You have assets potentially coming in. Uh, you have an asset potentially going out. So honestly, I, I, I would, I probably wouldn't feel comfortable answering that question yet. Uh, no, no, no. With the stipulations, like we can't predict the future, and based off this one game, we can't. But if they make the playoffs and he makes the Pro Bowl, then I think that's a pretty safe bet that they would extend him. But that's a lot to ask. Let's not get like too far ahead of ourselves before that happens. Because there's no guarantee that he's even on that path. Yeah, I think, um, you know, honestly, uh, there's, it's week one. Uh, we're all high on the fact that nobody was supposed to, we weren't supposed to win any games. Every narrative that came into the season, Coley being an awful coach, you know, one to two year guys, all that, no young talent, you know, whatever other narrative there is, they're, they're idiots for what they do. Uh, on how they handle the roster and how they build it, you know, all the things that we've heard for the last seven months, you know, and counting, um, it, it's a high and and it's a high that is well-deserved, but we still kind of have to, we have to wait till the season comes in. Look, the way that the team played on Sunday played, they played inspired football. That is the first time I have seen inspiring football for four quarters. Keep that in mind. For four quarters, I saw an inspiring football team. I have not seen that, honestly, probably four years. Dude, four quarters. It was, it was one of those where was our bar set so low by the previous regime and we just didn't realize it? Because they looked incredibly disciplined. Yep. They were playing with passion. They looked very, very well coached. Like – for everything positive things that we've said about Bill O'Brien in the past, were did we really just have our blinders on to what a well-coached football team would look like? Look, at the end of the day, the biggest difference between Coley and Obi is that Coley lets his coaching staff coach, and he manages the details of everything else that comes with being a head coach. And I, I, I guarantee you, if you go back two, three, four years ago into the – Texans unfiltered vault, you'll find me saying O'Brien's biggest issue was that he was a micromanager and needed to be in full control. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's something we spoke about in multiple times throughout the time that we, the time we've been here. Okay. That was OB's downfall. OB's downfall was he had to be controlled. He had to be, have the final say, and he could not have people around him that would challenge his thought process. Coley, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. He's on the whole, uh, whole the whole other side of the uh, of the spectrum. He is a player's coach who empowers his coaches uh, to put his their players in the best position to succeed on the field, and that is what we saw Sunday was a very well coached football team, and. You know, it, it's it's amazing what you can accomplish by just having 
that aspect of your team in check. Coaching matters more than anything. You know, you, you, you add this coaching staff to, you know, any of the last four years, the outcome is going to be completely different. You know, players want to play for guys like Coley. They want to play for guys like Hamilton. They want to play for guys like Campton. They want to play for guys like Prince. They want to play for coaches who want them to be there and give them everything they can. And, you know, the culture thing, I get it. You know, it's it's somewhat, it's kind of like the new versatility word, right? It's, it's a word that you guys are so tired of hearing about. Um, you know, versatility was the word used by OB uh, and, and company, and it bothered everybody, uh, drove everybody insane. And rightfully so, right? We, we always talked about it. Master of none was really kind of the whole OB era. They had guys who were good at certain positions, but never really good at just one. And they never could just play that one position. Now you have the culture word being thrown around and people are tired of it because it's something they're hearing in every single press conference. They're hearing it in every single interview, but look, culture is a real thing for in in anything you do. It doesn't matter. Football team, company, home life, family, it doesn't matter. The culture is really one of the biggest pieces of anything that you're going to build that will be successful. And this is the start of that. Are they going to win the Super Bowl? No. Will they make the playoffs? Based on the, what we saw from the AFC South on Sunday, <laughs> maybe. But at the end of the day, you you want to establish a culture to build on. And that's what's happening right now is the culture is being established. you got guys like, look, I, I'll be honest, when Mark Ingram was signed, I, I was like, are we, is, this, is this a real thing? Like Mark Ingram's going to be our lead back. But, dude, after watching that mic'd up, I totally understand why Mark Ingram is here. Mark Ingram is here because he is the, the cheerleader, the positive voice within the locker room. He's the guy, he's the guy that gets people going. And he does it really well. And, it, and when you start a culture like that, it becomes infectious. And it starts to spread. And it becomes something that you just can't overcome. It's Ted Lasso. It's the Ted Lasso theory. It's a new theory that people in sports should try to mimic as much as possible. It plays a part. And these guys are young, you know, or not all, not on our team, but <laughs> <laughs> but in the NFL, right? Like these these guys are young. They come from rah rah uh, head coaches in college and rah rah head coaches in high school. Carrying that over into the NFL is just going to play pay dividends and you know props to Coley, props to uh, props to Nick Serio for establishing a culture. Look, I'll be honest, props to Jack Easterby for being part of what this culture is potentially becoming. Nobody wants to hear it, but this is a culture guy. And <laughs> and uh, that culture that we saw on Sunday is something that should have Texans fans excited. Well, there's, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. Well, first and foremost, I mean, Mark, or I'll start with uh, Mark Ingram because that's an easy one. We rushed the ball a lot, but we didn't rush it efficiently, but we did enough. But yeah, when you see the mic'd up, like room, he's going to be that heartbeat of the team. Like he, he's not going anywhere. Maybe one of the other running backs will, 
but he won't. And will he get touches like that? I can't imagine if he's going to be that inefficient for the rest of the year. Is he going to continue to have that? But we'll see. Who knows? Um, I think that there is definitely something to the culture. Um, when you pay attention to the guys that actually played within the league or was a part of an NFL franchise in some form or fashion, not just like the journalist, they actually do bring up culture as being they bring up having everybody on with the same mindset. And for Bill O'Brien, he Bill O'Brien had a lot of great ideas. He was horrible at executing them. Yeah. Where he wanted alignment where everybody was on the same page. He just didn't know how to get there. Because he wanted to wrap everybody around his idea of what what the best thing to do was instead of taking from everybody to figure out what the best idea. A couple of things that I actually noticed and that was eye-opening to me on both offense and defense is that it's amazing what happens when you no longer try to scheme around one player. And I say that for both the offense and the defense. On the defense, of course, like that was a team defense. Now, we still there's still some pretty big holes on the defense that I'm I, a more experienced quarterback is probably going to be able to pick apart. But Lovey actually didn't show show his full hand. Like he didn't have to. Trevor Lawrence was that bad. But the thing that really really stood out to me though is that just the rotation of players. Like if one player went out, the defense was fine. They weren't trying to set up one guy for success over and over and over and over again. And on the offense, it was the same way. Like they didn't scheme it around one guy's strengths. They seem to scheme it better. And Tim Kelly is the same coordinator we had last year. But they seem to scheme it not based around what Tyrod could do. They seem to scheme around based what their players in general can do. Now, again, we, we, we do need to manage expectations. Definitely need to manage expectations. The offense, two of the biggest plays, um, where Tyron just chucking it down the field, were also the number one and number three on like odds of success. Like they were the least, like the odds of those passes coming down in Brandon Cook's hands were, were very little. Like who knows if you can repeat that. And then let's be honest, like – sorry. <laughs> who knows if we can repeat that with the throws down the field. And let's be honest, were the Jaguars even that good? No, they weren't. They, they, the Jaguars weren't good at all. Um, so the, the, the only real positive that you can take from the game is, is the fact that our foot was never taken off the brick, right? We continue to, to put points on the board. We continue to do the things that were letting us be successful. Um, and there weren't a ton of adjustments needed. Um, but at the end of the day, like a win's a win. Um, and, you know, in, in a Bill O'Brien era, if we were up 20 points, you would have seen, you know, 32 handoffs for the rest of the game. And we would have, you know, if, if we won, we won by two. Most times we lost. So um, I, I, I love this. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I do. I, you know, I don't know. It, it, my expectations have not changed for the season. No, I, I I believe my my call before last week was absolutely correct. They're going to be annoyingly competitive. They're going to be just good enough. That they're going to get our hopes up. They're not going to be good enough to actually do anything. But it's going to be a lot more entertaining. 
like I said at the beginning of the year, I, I think we'll be competitive. I, I don't, you know, I, wins and loss, to, you know, totals and things of that nature. I, honestly, I have no idea. We have some winnable games on the, on the calendar. We do. Uh, I mean, on the schedule, you know, Panthers, Jets, we play the Jags again. The Colts look like trash. The Titans are pure trash. So, you know, let alone if you're just looking at the division, we have an opportunity to really, really make some noise in the AFC South. The, you know, and then what? Like the Bills, they look like hot garbage. I don't think they will be. I think they'll be fine. Um, trying to think of what are the real, the big, what are the Jets? We have, there's just not a lot of talent, talented teams that we're playing this year. No. I mean, we have a very favorable schedule. Um, I mean, we go, next week will probably be one of our hardest weeks of the year with Cleveland. Then we have the Panthers. The Panthers don't look great. The Bills, I mean, they'll get their acts together. The Patriots, I mean, I, I, I trust Lovey Smith to be able to know how to confuse a, a rookie quarterback again. And then you got the Colts. The Cardinals are scary. The Cardinals are very scary. I hate to say it. I don't think that yet. The, the Rams are scary. Rams, the Dol- Chargers, those two scare me. The uh, Then we have the Dolphins. Not scary. Which what, I mean, they're a solid team. They'll be a good test. The yeah. Titans, the Jets, the Colts, the Seahawks, Jaguars, the Chargers, Niners, and Titans. So, so we go 12-5. Yeah. We're not going in five. <laughs> we are not going 12-5. and five. I mean, but we could easily win eight games. Or not easily, but realistically. I, I don't want to sleep. But realistically, like – there's eight games that are winnable on that schedule. And is, after, is that necessarily a good thing? After Oh, let me count them again. So I you had nine wins. I think they win eight, maybe nine, ten games, to be honest with you. They're, they're not winning 10 games. Yeah, you never know. They're not winning 10 games. It's only week one. I, I, I would say eight is realistic, but unlikely. I think they'll beat the Browns. You think so? But, I mean, here, here's the thing. Right now we are, num- we are eighth in the league in DVOA, which is be um, competition agnostic, which I believe, honestly, may be the highest total ranking that we've had in years, even – even when we had playoff teams, like we were never DVOA, never pro our the how they measure football outsiders, how they measure DVOA, never liked the Texans. They always said that we overperformed. Yep. So if this if this number eight, if we're able to maintain it, then yeah. But I mean, I still first off, do we want to make the playoffs? Like, do we honestly want to make the playoffs? Here, let me let me answer this question. While you know everybody keeps bringing this up, you know, pick, pick, pick your pick where you're at. Blah blah blah. All about the picks. Guess what, guys? You're sitting on an asset that is going to garnish three to four first round picks and some talent. Whenever that happens, okay. Or that asset changes his mind and ends up being a Texan. Those are your two outcomes with Deshaun Watson. Either one, he's a quarterback for you, 
or two, he returns a bunch of assets. If he returns a bunch of assets, who cares where you pick with your pick? It doesn't matter because you have every asset that you need to move up and grab whatever player you want. It doesn't matter. You want to go get the number one pick? You can do it. You'll have three, four first-round picks if you need to to move up and grab the guy you want. It doesn't matter. So, yes, it's about establishing a winning culture along with the culture that they're also trying to build, not just on winning, but just within the locker room. So I don't care where they pick next year because it doesn't matter. They're going to have everything they need to grab whoever it may be. I mean, possibly if he doesn't end up in jail. That's, um, the, only, that's the only thing. Yeah. And you, I mean, you, can't, I th- you can't live life like that. No, but I think the Texans in some ways have. Like they've just, they don't count on anything from Deshaun. From the return of the assets to him playing. Um, <laughs> you want to argue? I mean, you want to argue with her? No, I don't. I I'll mean, bring her right that's, in. That's why. I mean, honestly, that's why we watch. We want to. We want the team like we do. But and we want to be optimistic about the team. But it's just one of those. The point that I'm trying to make is if we get to the playoffs, are we really on – are we going to – can we go toe-to-toe with the Chiefs? I think anybody can. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If, I, if the I, Bills I know, John, get their act together, if, can we go toe-to-toe with them? What if he's traded before the trade deadline and you're getting two star defensive players back to to help? Can this offense compete in the, in, in the playoffs? I think the offense can actually. It's the defense, ultimately, that gives me the biggest concern. I mean, who got the sack this week? (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, yeah, Merck Merck got a sack. Merck's the one that got the sack. If that's the guy that's leading us in sacks at the end of the season, I promise you this season on the defensive side of the ball will not be one you want to talk about. So – I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I'm not going to be the guy that's like, oh, I, I don't want to make the playoffs. I don't want to win. I want to fucking win every game I play. That's why I watch sports. That's what I like to do in life. I want to win. I don't play anything to lose. I don't play for next year's draft position. I play to win the game. Ultimately, that's what we're here for. And that's what those guys in the locker room are there for. That effort that you saw on Sunday is going to be duplicated for the next 16 weeks. So... You worry about whatever you're handed draft pick-wise next season. Right now, that's not the 2021 Texans problem. Right now, it's go out on the field and compete. No, I mean, I I don't disagree with you. There's just I'm, just, I'm just saying, like, how do we want to go to the playoffs again and get our hearts ripped out again? If you get your hearts ripped out in a year where you don't have Deshaun Watson at quarterback, then I'm sorry. You had false expectations in <laughs> the beginning. Okay. And that's you, that's more or less that's more or less my point. That's your point is that you that's don't want you don't you don't want your heart broken. If you can't allow your heart to get broken. <laughs> no, to manage our own expectations. At this point, it's week one. It's week one. hundred percent. And it and that was as good as any performance by any Texans team that we've seen in a long time. Far and away the best performance we've seen, far and away the best opening day performance we've seen from a Texan team, I don't know if ever 
Like, when was the last time we actually looked that sharp first game of the season? Never. So, like, it's so easy. Everybody always – you every, sky is either falling or you're on, on your way to the playoffs after the first week. That's every single team. Overreaction that first week. You're supposed to overreact. But, we, I mean, it's really hard not to really overreact because we've never seen anything like that. Even if it is against a horrible, trash Jaguars team with an overrated head coach and a number one pick quarterback that was supposed to be the most pro-ready quarterback in ages that still has a long ways to go. So, yeah. You know. I agree. <laughs> We're, we're not quite there where we're talking about the playoffs. We go out, we beat a very good – if we beat a very good Browns team next week, then, you know, I mean – Are they good? Are they good? They're good. Like, you look at the personnel, and they're good. They're good? Or they hung they with the Chiefs. The Chiefs – wait, 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 wait. So are we comparing this Chiefs team to every other Chiefs team? Yeah. They're, yeah. The Chiefs are still the Chiefs. Okay. They still have Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and Kelsey. Like See, those so, three play those those three players make them go. So you don't think now maybe week one slow start for a team that has had their egos inflated over the last three years and maybe the Browns didn't get everything the Chiefs had in the first three quarters. I watched that game, but I'm, I'm just saying maybe I mean maybe the Chiefs didn't wake up until the third quarter. <laughs> I mean that wouldn't be the first time the Chiefs have done that. Okay. They scored My 33 point exactly. points in the second half. My point exactly. So, so were the Browns good or were the Chiefs the Browns are The Browns are a playoff team. The Browns are going to, are going to be a playoff team. I think the Steelers will win that division, so I don't know. If, uh, uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But I don't think the Browns are good. I, I think they're – no, I take that back. Let me take that back because that sounds like hater. I think the Browns are much better than what people expect them to be. But they're ultimately, they're still the Browns, and they still have Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Like, I, I just can't buy into the Browns with Baker as their starting quarterback. I just can't. Uh, so I, I think that they have a very – on paper, they have a very good team. They have a good coaching staff. Um, Kevin Stefanski is, you know, Gary Kubiak Jr. Um, but I, I'm not going to put a lot of – look, if, if that was any other team – that lost the way the Browns lost, they wouldn't be as heralded as they are the day after the game. But because it's the why Browns, are they being heralded? Because the what? Browns. Did you listen to like well, the no, 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 show I, I, and like every other podcast? It's the Browns. They were able to hang with them. You know, it just wasn't their time yet. It's everybody makes an excuse for the Browns because they all feel bad for them because they're the fucking redheaded stepchild of the NFL. Okay, they they hung with the Chiefs. Okay, did they get the dub though? No, they lost in the same way they always lose. It's just the Browns being the Browns. A punter fumbling a hold. Baker Mayfield throwing an interception. Like I just don't understand what the hype is around the Browns. Because they have some serious talent. They do have talent. They have, they have some serious talent, dude. I mean... I think just 100%. I can't disagree with you. That and I mean that's why. Like I don't I think that Baker's a little bit of a head case. Um a little bit. A little bit. 
which is probably what's going to make him either be good or bad. It's like how that little bit of a, that little bit, a lot of bit of a chip on his shoulder, but they're a better team than they were last year. And we, I mean, we hung with them last year, like, and they're not much different, but they do have some talent. And they lost their guard. Or tackle one of those. I'm just saying. Look, I don't know if we'll beat the Browns. I'm not even going to sit here and say that we're good, that we are good. I, I believe that we can beat the Browns. I really do. I, I think Tyrod Taylor, what he did against the Jags defense, that, that Browns defense, it, it all starts up front. It all starts with Miles and everybody's favorite former Texan, <laughs> Davian Clowney. Okay, but outside of that, I mean, you got Denzel Ward on the secondary. I, I just – the Browns don't scare me on defense. Offensively, I think they'll give our defense problems, to be honest with you. Um, they have a ton of talent at wide receivers. They have talent at tight ends. Um, their offensive line was, was good last year. Took a step back at least so far through week one. Um, Nick Chubb is really good. Nick Chubb is really good. Kareem Hunt is really good. Um, you know, Odell Beckham will probably be back this week. Uh, he was practicing before the game and just wasn't wasn't active. So, but you have Jarvis Landry. I mean, there's tons of talent, tons of talent. But uh, they have like that uh, undrafted guy, or I think he was undrafted. Uh, the wide receiver, maybe it's like the sixth round. Uh, you would know more because you're in a Jonathan Peoples Jones. No, 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 no. Schwartz, I think. Oh, Schwartz, yeah. Um, Anthony Schwartz out of Auburn. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they have talent, but I don't know. They've had talent before. I, I just don't. I'll believe in the Browns oh. when I see the Browns actually do something worthwhile. <laughs> but all I'm saying is they're a talented team. If, however you want to take week one, it's like they held, they held, they hung out with the Chiefs. Not necessarily held them. I mean, the Chiefs probably just got in their own way, but they went out there and they played with them. They didn't get blown out of the water. And whether or not that's a reflection of the Chiefs or the Browns, again, you can't really tell because it's week one. It's a, we all overreact after week one. That's what we're supposed yep. to do. But we believe the Browns, or I believe the Browns to be a fairly good team based on the talent that they have. To play with the Chiefs, with the roster that they have, to me, that says that they are fairly, fairly decent. Now, if the Texans are able to go in and, and win versus the Browns, then I can let my guard down a little bit when it comes to the Texans and get it a little bit, not necessarily a little bit more excited, but a little bit more hopeful. Because I came into the season with no expectations. Like, my entire goal this year was to have competitive games that are worth watching. That's it. Like, that's on the record. Like, we have many podcasts where I've said that over and over. Like, I don't want us to be the worst team in the league. I don't want us to have the first pick in the draft. Because that would be miserable. Like, we would be – that would make doing this so difficult. That would make watching the games every Sunday really difficult. But for how many games I expect to win, I've also kept – I'm also in the same boat with that. Like, I don't want to get ahead of myself, whereas if we go out and we just lose every week, then I am miserable. But if we go out, we see glimpses of hope. Like, if we see the opportunity that the team's growing, 
that this core that what what Casario is trying to build right now is a core. Like that's what they're trying to build. That culture core, the guys that they can put all a bunch of young players around, teach them how to be professionals. Cause that's what they're going to be doing over the next couple of years. That's why they're loading up on draft picks. It wouldn't surprise me if we actually trade back. Like if we don't get anything for Deshaun because of that whole mess. It wouldn't surprise me if Casario takes that attitude of just trading back, getting more and more picks, more and more young players to come in and learn from a professional core. And this year, that's all he's trying to do is build that professional core, that core of the culture that's going to have the culture that's set, set for the next however long they're here. And I just want to enjoy that and have hope with those guys. Now, if we come out and we start winning, like then you can get very hopeful. I mean, this team, that's not out of the realm of possibility. The team is a bunch of professionals. These are guys that are almost cast-offs, but they are quality cast-offs. These are guys that are any player that makes it to their second contract in NFL is a good player. And the team is built off players on their second and third contracts. But you talk when you bring in, when you draft a third round pick or a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick, your only hope for them is to make it to their second contract. Like people forget that when you talk about building your team around youth, like sometimes all you're doing is just hoping that they stay in the league. If nothing else, this team is built of guys that have stayed in the league. Now that probably gives them a limited ceiling, but I think our floor is a lot better than what a lot of the experts are saying. Yeah, look, Tyler Taylor had an, an amazing first week as the Texans quarterback. Will he likely be able to mimic those same results? Probably not. That was a out of out of body experience. But if he could do it once, you know, there's a chance he could do it twice. You could do it three times. I mean, look, Tyrod Taylor is a guy that we don't really know a lot about in the sense of a full-on starter. It's not like we're getting Sam Darnold or Jared Goff or, you know, guys who started for five or six years on, on the same team, you know, with same coaching staff and things of that nature. Tyrod's been a journeyman his almost his entire career. And every opportunity that he's had has either been taken away, it has been taken away by some freak or fluke injury or just whatever else it was. What was it with the Browns? I, f- I forgot what it was with the Browns. I think it was an injury, right? It was like an ankle injury, right? It was an ankle injury. Yeah, and then the Chargers you know, got stabbed in the lung by a, by a masseuse. He had the Carlos Correa treatment. Um, what else? Um, Buffalo took him to the playoffs. The one year he was the starter. Like, I, I it was a concussion. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, I honestly, who knows what we have in Tyron Taylor. But you know who he looked like on the field at times? Don't say it. Don't say it. Am I wrong? I mean, well, just who, who was Not it? Saying who, every snap. They're just saying. Who said something to the, uh, the sacks? It was, oh, actually, I, I haven't pulled up because I wanted to read it. So, Jaguars blitzed 17 times on Sunday. Only three teams blitzed more. Here's what Tyron Taylor did versus the Blitz. Five or more rushers. Nine of 17 for 170 yards and was sacked once. 
when the Jaguars didn't blitz, Taylor was 12 for 16 for 121 yards and two, B, two TDs, no sacks, per ESPN stats info. Now, what former quarterback did he have that, you know, uh, when he got blitzed, well, it was just kind of whatever at that point. When he wasn't blitzed, he would hold on to the ball too long. But Tyrod had a hell of a game. He had a hell of a game. That pass to Farrell Brown, not that, not the one on the out. The one where the guy's in his face. And he literally lobs it only to where Farrell can get it. Farrell gets it with one one hand. I mean, you know, those are those are the, the Brandon Cooks catch. Those are things that you just can't you can't predict. You can't expect those to happen. It's a fl- somewhat of a fluke play, but at the end of the day, like they are s- still plays that happened, and like that scramble out, and then he planted and hit Brandon Cooks on basically a post, a deep post. Dude, I mean that was a beautiful play. I mean that was yeah. a beautiful. Well, play. he had the, that was the play that he. Had, you're talking about the play where the ball out before Cooks even was into his break, right? Correct. Yeah. yeah, that 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 throw more so than any throw. Actually, you know what? Even the uh, throw to um, Farrell Brown, like those throws are the ones that give me the most hope. That one to Farrell Brown, that's quick reactions, knowing where your player is going to be, knowing where the defense is going to be. That that's a little bit. That's a that's a high level throw. Like he didn't just toss it up; he put it in a place where his guy could get it and run after it where there wasn't a defender. Sometimes people just throw it up and there's a defender there. And to be on the same page with Cooks and to push the ball down the field, because here's the thing about Tyrod. Tyrod has more physical talent than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tyrod is just as capable as Ryan Fitzpatrick, but the one thing that he has always is that aggressiveness. Fitz magic, Fitz tragic, however you want to describe him. He is a roller coaster ride because he will just go out there and air it out. And sometimes that's what you want. Sometimes you just, when you're a team that has limited talent and you're trying to win games, is you want a quarterback that'll just go out there and just let it rip. And that was never Tyrod. Tyrod was ultra, always ultra conservative. Like if you look at his stats throughout his career, like very, very conservative. He doesn't turn the ball over, doesn't throw a lot of interceptions. He's at a very efficient running quarterback. And he just doesn't throw the ball a lot. He threw it over 30 times. <laughs> if he's going out there and he's going to be that aggressive, that secure, maybe it's even security in his role, like that he knows that he's the man there. Maybe that's what it is. If he goes out and he plays like that, then yeah, like things change. Like there's things definitely change. Like well, say, I, I don't this. even know what else to say. Let me say this. Uh, last year, uh, all offseason for Tyrod, he was he was competing with Justin Herbert, won, won, won the starting job for whatever reason it may be. He went out and only played 30 snaps, never played again. We really honestly don't know what would have happened last year with him and Pep. We really don't. He Tyrod could have been on a tear last year, but we just don't know. Maybe it is the combination of Pep and Tyrod. But, I mean, what we saw on Sunday was a quarterback 
with full confidence, control of the offense, able to make whatever throw was needed. Guys were schemed open. That's one of the things that I loved the most about this game is guys were schemed open in the passing game. I mean, it, it wasn't just beats on one-on-ones. It was just, I mean, they were schemed open. Um, the designs of the plays worked. So I, I guess I'm just going to take my time in assessing Tyrod Taylor as our starting quarterback, and I'm going to give it a couple weeks because I, I've seen things from Tyrod in the past with the Bills and Browns and just – there's always been something about him at certain times. And now we have an opportunity to see it for 17 weeks. And he is going to be the starter, barring any injury. Um, I don't know. I I don't see a reason to be down on Tyrod. I think Tyrod could potentially be that be good enough to be a quarterback for quite some time. Yeah. No, he's Tyrod is good enough to be a quarterback of a playoff team. If he goes out there and he and he and he and he, you know, just plays aggressively. If he doesn't go into that shell, if he doesn't turn into check, if he doesn't just start checking everything down, then yeah, he can do it. A little bit of playing aggressively, though, is is having a little bit of luck on your side. But the only way you can have luck on your side is if you force it. Yeah. And I mean, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast. The reason that I constantly said Tyrod is the best backup quarterback in the NFL is because he was always too concerned. If if he's going to continue to push the ball down the field, if he's going to continue to trust the fact that Brandon Cooks is really good. And I think even though we had him on the team last year, you kind of forget, forget that. Yeah. But Brandon Cooks is agree. pretty dang good. Um. And if Tyrod is able to trust him and both of them are able to stay healthy, then yeah, our offense is going to be significantly better than most people expected. Yeah, I guess just for me, uh, everything is such a wait and see type of thing when it comes to this team. There's so many unknowns, whether it be the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball, coaching staff, upper management, things of that nature. Um, that, you know, it's going to be hard to pinpoint what the results should be. But coming out the way that they did in week one definitely gives you a reason to be somewhat optimistic. Yes, it was the Jags. Yes, they were very bad. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the Texans weren't very good. Um, we, we won't know until we play a better team. Sunday, we're playing a much better team than what the Jags were. Um, so we should have a good understanding. This should be a very good measuring stick for us to understand how competent and competitive the Texans are going to be for the remainder of the season. Fair? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, I don't know. It was exciting. It was just exciting to see fun football with players that were playing well, playing tough, playing hard, and a a coach that, look, I'm coming around on David Coley. (laughs) how do you not like the 67-year-old man running up and down the field, smacking high fives, praises, all the things that he's doing? It's so how, – how could anybody not like the guy? No, I mean, I, I, I called him Coach Grandpa 
when he was first hired, but I think you're closer to it when you're calling him Ted Lasso. Yes. Like just that belief in his players and believe his coaches and you can see it. And I think that's part of the reason like Tim Kelly called a, what looked to be a fantastic game. I've only watched it the one time I haven't had, a, I, I'm locked out of my all 22. I got to figure that out. But, and from some of the stuff I was even reading that Tim Kelly did a very good job of the tempo of the place that he was calling. And when I say that, I'm not talking about like the pace that they're playing. I'm talking about how they are playing off formations, like disguising the formations, disguising their intent, um, using players as decoys. And he was just being a lot more creative than what you saw last year under Bill O'Brien. And I think part of that is just you have, you believe that your head coach has actual faith in you. And I think that maybe also having someone like Pep Hamilton that's in there supporting to, and you may be right when you said that you're going to, we're going to see actually Tim Kelly level up in his play calling like that. I think you were talking about in the last year, but I think you may have actually called it for this year. Yeah, I did. No, I called it during the preseason. I mean, there's no, there's no OB. There's nobody overseeing everything, you know, anything that he probably took last year, were, were parts and pieces of Obi's playbook just kind of teetered and changed a little bit with Tim Kelly's little sprinkle on it. But now, you know, there's a good opportunity for Tim to work with Pep and work with Coley and, and start to build an offense around the players that are on the field. So I, I think Tim, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not going to say he's going to be some football savant and he's going to be the next head coach of any team or anything like that, but he now has full reign of the offense. And you have to remember he spent his entire coaching staff with Bill O'Brien. So everything that he had was from Bill O'Brien. You know, he had nobody else to pull that from. Now he had an offseason with Coley, Pep, and, you know, everybody else on the team and the coaching staff to be able to try to put together his own thing and build his own offense. And I think that's really one of the better things. Look, I didn't see I, – I cannot recall a David Johnson A-gap run. I know. Wasn't that great? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they were running him right? to the outside. They were running him to the outside. They were using him to catch passes. They were putting him on route. Like, it's, yeah, exactly. It's just those little things. That they're not trying to scheme around, they're not trying to force people into a scheme that is designed around one person. Exactly. They're actually trying to take advantage of the weapons that they have. And it's a matchup thing, too, right? Um, so, so who knows? Um, I want to get to Jerome's question real quick. Jerome says, run D look bad against the Jags, worried about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, I think every team is probably worried about Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Um, I think the Jags only ran the ball, I think, 16 times, I believe. Uh, they were playing from behind the entire time. I I'm not going to sit here and say uh, run defense is something we need to worry about. I'm also not going to say that that's going to be the strength of our defense. The good thing is we do have Jaleel Johnson coming back this week, so that's awesome. Um, as you know, unfortunately, Vincent Taylor is going to be out for some time. Um, but you know, I, I don't know what to expect of the run D. I think they gave up what a total of, I mean, they gave up 70 yards on 16 carries. So, what's that average out to be 4.2, 4.4 yards per carry? Um, so you know, not not amazing. No, that ends up being five point five point something per carry, either way. Um, 
I don't think that the game plan was to shut down the run. I think they were anticipating Trevor Lawrence to sit back in the pocket and pick him apart. Uh, Jaguars wanted to showcase their new toy. Um, I would assume the game plan on defense will be a little bit different this, this week, uh, knowing that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are going to be a big part of the game plan. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I Again, they were talking about how Lovey Smith actually was very, very vanilla. Uh, if you all see Jordan or watch his show, ask him to kind of describe that a little bit better because he'll do a much better job than I will. And hopefully that was just like keeping some tricks in his back. Against yeah. a team that he didn't really have to show a whole lot against. Yeah, I'll tell you this. I really hope that they fix the middle of the field. Um, uh, because I, I think that's going to be a problem. Um, it was a problem in preseason. It was a problem in week one. I, I really hope that Levy comes up with, with something in the scheme to be able to address the open middle part of the field. Um, but, you know, it's only week one, so I guess we'll see what happens there. Um, what else? Anything else from, from, from week one that you want to recap? I mean, Brandon Cooks was amazing. Not We didn't see a lot of Nico except for on that fade where for some reason it was the offensive pass interference and, and the guy was just literally hanging on him. Um, Harold Brown, stud. Jordan Akins is basically irrelevant. I wonder if that'll be more of a game plan thing, though. Will that be will that be something that we talked about a couple weeks ago? They, they really are the perfect complement to each other. Will we see different use cases for Jordan Akins versus some teams? Farrell Brown versus other teams. Um, you know, that'll be interesting to watch. Danny Amendola came off the street a week ago in pajamas and then just, you know, what do you have? He had like four catches for like 50-something yards and a touchdown. Um, yeah, I'm trying he to think. All, all the running backs. Five targets, five receptions. What's 47 yards, something like that. Oh, five for five for 34 yards, 6.8 yards. Yeah, five for five for 34. Yeah, so the 34 yards, five catches. All, all his targets were caught. One was for a touchdown. Lindsey got in the end zone. David got in the end zone. Ingram got in the end zone. Um, that running back stable looks like it's going to be something fun. I know a lot of people are really upset that they didn't get their uh, they didn't get their Scotty Phillips um, <laughs> reps yet, and that's fine. I'm, I, the season's it's a long season, so we'll see how that goes. Three interceptions. Well, I mean. How did how did we not talk about that? Three interceptions in one game matches what we had for the entire season last year. Yeah, it's insane. It's what and last year we last year we had a turnover belt. Maybe they brought it back and just started talking about it. <laughs> um, yeah, is Ra- isn't Rack still on the like team? Yeah, he's like, like an advisor to the head coach or something like that. Like, but you like never see him. I didn't even see him on the field. He wasn't on the field. They showed him in the box. They showed him up high. Oh, they showed him. Yeah, he was in the coach's box. Yeah, this defense is just uh, so much better than – like, honestly, the, the players obviously aren't better, I guess, in the sense. But it shows you that coaching and scheme can really just kind of counteract it. Well, I would actually say – I would say the average player is probably better on this roster than last I would year. Agree. I would agree. It just goes back to, like, maybe we don't have – the outliers. We don't have the guys that are really, really good and the guys that are really, really bad, even though we do have Vernon Hargrave starting at corner. But it turned out, hey, I mean, that pick, 
look, it was a bait and a jump up a route by Vernon. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't in the right place at the right, right, at the right time, Vernon. It was bait him in, jump the route, and snatch the ball. Look, I, I know we all aren't huge Vernon <laughs> Hargraves fans, um, but coaching helps. And, you know, maybe the right coaching will, you know, make him an average corner. Who knows? But, um, I mean, this well, he's always had the physical, better. he's always had the physical ability to be better than an average corner. Yeah. It's just putting it all together. And I mean, he was a first round pick and there was a reason he was a first round. So maybe, maybe this coaching staff will unlock him. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It just seems that the uh, players are a lot more excited about playing in this scheme than previous schemes. We talked about how it was simpler for them to just go out and play. And, and at the end of the day, that's all you really want to ask the players to do. You don't want to make it too complicated. So, uh, trying to think. Anything else we want? I think that's really about it. I guess let's let's get it. We, we've talked about the Browns quite a bit. We've been jumping around as we normally do. Um <laughs> Predictions for the game. No score, just win or loss. Win or loss. So if you're at the eye exam, one or two? One, one or, or two. two? I'm going to give it to them because it's a home game for them, but I but it's going to be close. You think it'll be I close? Think, yeah, I think it's going to be close. They're favored by 12 and a half. Oh, I, they're not going to cover. Mm-hmm. They are not going to cover either. I, 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 if I was in Vegas, I'd put money on them not covering. Yeah. Yeah, what and that's something that uh, Drum T just pointed out. Like, part of our coverage was the fact that the Jaguars can't catch. We're not going to always have that going for us. I would say, in response to that, though, our offense was rolling. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered that they could catch the ball or not. We were able to outscore them. It just made the beat down that much more by them not being able to catch. Yeah, they definitely had a, a case of the yips. Uh, nobody was catching a ball there. I'm pretty sure. Uh, what's the name of that stadium there? Oh no, that was an NRG. Sorry. Uh, looks like nobody caught. Uh, nobody on the Jacksonville Jaguars could have caught COVID. That's how bad it was. Okay. <laughs> uh, and they're in Texas, and they're a Florida team. Um, so that tells you a lot. Um. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I, for some reason, I have a feeling we're going to win this game. I don't necessarily think that this is going to be like that defining game where everybody's like, okay, it's time to, to buy playoff tickets and things of that nature. Um, but I think we can beat the Browns. I really do. If we beat the Browns, I'm not going to say buy your playoff tickets, but pay attention because we're going to be in the race. I'd put it like that. Who do the Colts play this week? Who's the rest? Of, what's the, what's the rest of the AFC South schedule look like? Let's see. Oh, well, Colts lost, so that's done. They're playing the Rams. Uh, Good luck to them. Yep. Uh, Titans. They play the Seahawks, so they're gonna lose. So. And it doesn't matter who the Jaguars play. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be good. They play the Broncos, <laughs> so they're going to lose too. So you're you're potentially even after this. Let's say we lose, we're still number one in the division. <laughs> oh man, 
If it turns into it turns into another shit mountain year where all you have to do is win the games against your division, I'm just gonna laugh. I'm just gonna laugh. Uh, Wouldn't be the strangest thing ever. Nah. It wouldn't be the strangest thing ever. Uh, So we've got because I put this in the title. Does Urban Meyer make it to the end of the year? I think he'll make it to the end of the year, but I think that's when he steps away. One and done? Yeah. I, it's just not. The NFL season is a long season. I just can't see. I can't see him making it. I, I, this was a terrible hire by them in the first place. Uh, yeah, it was. It should have never been the case. They should have Eric Bieniemy, honestly, even over Urban Meyer. There's Urban Meyer struggled with the pressure at Florida and then struggled with the pressure at Ohio State. And what, how in his mind, I think there was going to be less pressure in the NFL, even for the lowly Jaguars. Like, I just can't. I can't I, – I didn't agree with this hire at the beginning. I was actually excited for it. Actually, I did agree for it because I'm in, I knew Jaguars were going to be bad. So, I mean, it's one of those where, yeah, I, I hope he makes it a couple of years because I just don't think he's going to have him. I don't think he's going to be successful. Like, I think he'll stunt Trevor Lawrence's growth. I agree. And, you know, that, that makes it one thing we don't have to worry about. I mean – Trevor Lawrence, granted, it was first game out there. I mean, he made some throws that were at least – he had at least one throw that was just absolutely ridiculous that gives you enough pause that it's like, oh, man, this guy, this kid does have some serious talent. So if he can be coached badly, I'm all for that. All for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't think Urban – Urban's not made to uh... – to coach in the NFL, in my opinion. But there's not a lot of guys that are, especially from the college ranks. So, um, all right, what else we got? I think that's it. Awesome. Okay. Uh, well, thank you guys for tuning in this week. Really appreciate it. Make sure you guys hit that like and subscribe button on YouTube. Hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast uh, platform. Make sure you guys leave a review. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, youngari underscore gold. You can follow John at John A. Way 3. Don't forget to follow Patrick Storm at Patrick Storm TU and Jair at JRL TU as well. Uh, they have their weekly show recapping the game and things of that nature. And it's actually, I think it's happened now three times. So uh, kudos to, to Pat for, for keeping that rolling. And um, yeah, with that being said, I'll see you guys next week when the Texans are 2-0 and after beating the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> I'm Yogari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. I'll catch you guys next week.